announce that all flights have been postponed until further notice. Within 48 hours, your country will be a desolate wilderness. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents... Battle Beneath the Earth. This is priority. Double scramble the line. They're crawling under us, I tell you. Just like ants. Was it a nightmare, or was it real? While we've been wasting billions up there, they've been working down there where it counts. Was this the scientific breakthrough our leaders could not ignore? Or was it a dangerous delusion? You might wind up in a padded cell along with Kramer. Why was this man pronounced a raving lunatic? They're gonna wipe right off the map. What dark forces controlled his mind? Greed? Killer instinct? Or diabolical persuasion? than a hundred million will perish. Was it true that under our very feet a vast graveyard was being opened by the most brilliant mass murderer of all time? Only this man and a handful of volunteers dared to enter the hidden world. Their lurking death would wear a pretty face. of unimaginable fury waited to annihilate the civilized world in one titanic battle beneath the earth. Starring Cohen Matthews as Commander Shaw, Vivian Ventura as Steve, Peter Arne as the tormented scientist Kramer, and Martin Benson as Chun Lu, Lord of War. Warning, anyone who cannot bear the abyss of hell Prepare yourself for Metro Goldwyn Mayor's Battle Beneath the Earth. <laughs> well, that was fun. That was a trailer from the 1967 sci-fi militaristic, probably funded by the Department of Defense classic, Battle Beneath the Earth. Yes, indeed, the Chinese, the Chinese under General Chung Lo, were digging tunnels deep below the earth. Digging tunnels to plant atomic devices. To put these atomic weapons below military bases. Yes, indeed, while we were focused on going to the moon. Yes, indeed. I think I saw that film. Um, <laughs> not when it came out. Not that old. But um, 
I think I saw it in like the 90s sometime. I was really drunk and I had a hangover. And you know how when you're drunk and you have a hangover, you might stay up late at night and watch some stupid movie that's on TV? Or maybe you woke up too early because of the hangover. Well, I think I was drunk, or half drunk, or hung over when I saw Battle Beneath the Earth, starring all those famous actors that none of us can remember. Yes, indeed. I think I watched that film. I might have even been in the army still, but it was a long time ago, and I don't think I saw the whole thing, the, the, the film, all the way through. Um, I, I think it was either that bad of a film, or it was that bad of a hangover. But I often wonder especially when you watch those videos on YouTube about deep underground military bases and shit. I often wonder, are there people drilling below the earth right now? Are there human beings with giant machines drilling tubes and tunnels underneath the earth out of, out of hewn tunnels out of rock using laser torch devices maybe i don't know really don't know folks but as as a listener you're well aware that i often include snippets of old trailers sometimes new trailers um especially strange films. And again, this came out in 1967, and I can't say up or down on this. I don't remember if I liked it, hated it, or not. I can tell you I sometimes like movies that have really, really stupid premises, just because they can be entertaining. And sometimes I like old sci-fi movies that are just too ridiculous, like, for example, you know, Battle Beneath the Earth, okay? It's kind of a ridiculous fucking premise. I, I don't know. Is it possible to drill a tunnel all the way from China underneath the ocean to the United States? I would, I would be inclined to say no. Um, it's not possible. The, the Pacific Ocean has too many places where it's way too deep, and you would be likely to encounter what's referred to as geologic activity. But who knows, maybe they will launch a battle beneath the earth. But maybe it won't be the Chinese. Maybe it'll be Bill Gates, that fuck. 
working with Elon Musk to build some type of hyperloop deep below the earth connecting all the dungeons that contain all the horrible shit they do. Yeah, I don't know. But can I recommend it? Could I tell you you should go see it? It's up to you, man. It's up to you. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Next topic. Um, I've been experimenting with my podcast. As you may or may not be aware, I have been doing some strange podcasts, some weird-ass little storytelling bullshit. You may or may not enjoy it. I really don't know. I, I'm doing it for a number of different reasons. I started the project, Little Saigon Diary, back in January, believing that I would continue to do creative writing along with, you know, the Little Saigon Report, LSD and LSR. Little Saigon Report, Little Saigon Diary. But then the virus hit, and you know, I got sick in February. I, I've said this before, I'll say it again, I think it was a cold. I think the hysteria, I think, you know, I, I kind of made the mistake before Christmas of going on Twitter, you know, again. And, and again, I don't want to go into it because there are people on Twitter I like. But social media itself and Twitter and the kind of narcissistic dopamine cycle that people get stuck in can be debilitating and fucked up. But I remember saying to myself the last time I deleted an account that if I ever went on social media again, if I ever did it again, it would be right about the time that everything started falling apart out of curiosity. There's a term called porpoising. You know how porpoises will stick their heads out of the water to look around above the water? Well. I decided to porpoise my way onto Twitter to see what was going on, and in, in the process, well, I would say in the process, I ran into some people um, that I'd never really met in person, but I, I think some of these people are real people. I won't name names. I think some of them are quite real, maybe many of them. But I reconnected with a lot of people uh, that were familiar with my account back in 2017, before I went crazy. And that's been good. But, but to stay on topic, I'm experimenting with my podcast right now. I'm doing different things. It's okay to try new things, people. If you're not dead yet, it's okay to try new stuff. It's okay to experiment and try new stuff, especially when it comes to sex. Yes, indeed. It's okay to experiment. It's okay to try new stuff, whether it, you know, has to do with podcasting or sex or making your own 
artisan-style slurry. Yeah, so I'm experimenting with my podcast, and if this is annoying for some of you, especially the people that are able to donate, um, I apologize. I, I don't intend to give up on my stream of consciousness outline monologue stuff I've been doing. I don't think it's bad, but I'm going to try to interview more people. I had a bad experience out of the box interviewing someone back in February. I will not name this person's name. Because I've decided that when it comes to people who I think represent um, dark forces, and that's the nicest way to put it, that the best strategy is to ignore them, to forget about them, and to move on. But I, I intend to interview more people. I really do. I don't have great tech. Um, I, I may or may not be starting a new job soon. I, I just haven't decided yet. Um, but if I get the money, my technology might improve. My tech right now is not that great. I've got a pretty decent data recorder, excuse me, voice recorder or audio recorder. I have a pretty good recorder. It's a Zoom H4N Pro, and it's pretty good in the sense that I can use it for phone calls and stuff. So it works really well with phone calls, and that's good because in Little Saigon, <laughs> you make do with whatever you have. It's kind of like that story, Stoner Soup. No, Dan, the story is Stone Soup. Well, I'm going to call it Stoner Soup. Stoner soup. Stoner soup. Yep, the story of Stoner soup. There was a stoner named Bob. Yeah, there was a stoner named Bob. And this guy smoked a lot of weed, but one day he ran out of weed. Shit. There's somebody honking their horn outside right now. The, the H4N Pro does a pretty good job of filtering out ambient noise because it has more or less uh, dual directional microphones, but it doesn't always do perfect. So if you heard a little horn blast just now... <laughs> It's just the crazy, the COVID crazy anyways. Bob was out of weed. Um, but he had a volcano. And his neighbor, his neighbor, Shirlene, had weed, but no way to consume it. And 
she liked to have her weed with beer, but she had no beer, but Todd down the hall and Maria, they liked weed, but they only had beer. So Bob and Todd and Shirlene, they got together and they figured out they could actually have a stoner event if they joined forces. If, you know, Todd and Maria shared their beer, if Shirlene shared her weed, and if Bob, Stoner Bob, shared his volcano. Indeed, that's the story of Stoner Soup, and that's as far as I want to go with that. But anyways, I'm experimenting with different things. Some of you might like it. Some of you might not like it. Um, I'm also going to try to, like, not do... I don't know how to phrase this. Some of my podcasts can be quite long now because about a year ago, I had some people who followed me who said, I really like your podcast, but can you do some longer ones? And it's like, well, okay, I will. And then I found out that it became too easy just to go on forever. So what I'm going to try to do is just not focus too much on the time and just try to keep them relatively succinct. I don't know. I figure if you do a podcast for 30 minutes to 45 minutes, that's probably long enough. Unless you're interviewing someone like Jim Davidson. Anyhow. Next topic. Got a link from a friend of mine. That's all I'm going to say. A link to a news article that I'm going to read. This news article was published on April the 25th at 7.44 a.m. The author of the news article... And I say news with sarcastic quotes at this point. The author of the news article is Mary Hines of the Las Vegas Journal, Review Journal, excuse me, the Las Vegas Review Journal. The Las Vegas Review Journal. Indeed, the Las Vegas Review Journal. Title of the article, <laughs> Hospital Emergency Rooms Underwhelmed as Coronavirus Fears Keep Patients Away. And I read on. A 50-year-old man arrived at Southern Nevada Hospital Emergency Room complaining of abdominal pain. For three days, he had suffered from what he thought was indigestion, afraid to visit an ER for fear of catching COVID-19. Well, you heard that one before. The man had a tear in his bowel that required surgery. Another man had chest pain for a week before he finally went to the ER. He needed triple bypass surgery. Situations such as these where people with serious conditions are delaying seeking medical treatment are playing out across Southern Nevada. By delaying treatment, people are jeopardizing their chances for a full recovery, and in some cases, their lives, hospital doctors said this week. Well, I'm glad that the hospital doctors chimed in. The two men above were treated by the Valley Health System, which includes Valley Hospital Medical Center, where Dr. Jeff Davidson is the medical director of the emergency department. Davidson said that people with serious conditions should be confident and I quote, 
that we've taken all the right precautions so that that you can safely be evaluated in our emergency department. Well, that's good. Thank you, Dr. Davidson. Early in the outbreak last month, public health and government officials in Nevada urged the public to stop going to emergency rooms to try to be tested for the coronavirus unless they were seriously ill. They warned that hospitals could be overrun with COVID-19 patients. As models for the disease progression suggested, if the community failed to, quote, unquote, flatten the curve. Wow, that's almost like see something, say something, isn't it? Flatten the curve. 2020's number one euphemism. People were encouraged to stay home for Nevada and to practice social distancing. The the public may have taken the messaging too much to heart. And I quote, while we appreciate the public's response about keeping the emergency room clear, we don't want to send the message that's only for COVID-19 patients, said Dr. Dan McBride, chief medical officer for the Valley Health System. Emergency departments in Southern Nevada are isolating suspected COVID-19 patients and requiring them to wear masks to reduce the risk of infecting other patients, among other precautions, said Dr. Derek Meeks, a trustee with the Clark County Medical Society and Emergency Department Director at Boulder City Hospital. Patient volumes have decreased to the point that hospitals are reducing shifts for ER doctors and nurses, he said, but fear of the ER may be misguided And I quote, The potential dangers of not going to the ER when you need to go are so much greater than the potential for catching COVID-19 while you're there, he said. (sighs) Chest pain, abdominal pain, trouble breathing, high fever, weakness on one side of the body, a significant new injury or symptom all may be signs of a serious medical issue warranting a trip to the ER, he said. Patients unsure of the severity of their symptoms may want to consult with their doctor or go to an urgent care. Well, that's nice. Delaying treatment for a heart attack stroke, or other serious conditions can result in a significant level of disability, said Dr. Christopher Voskopoulos, I hope I said that right, Voskopoulos, medical director of Southern Hills Hospital and Medical Center's intensive care unit, and I quote, they are trading a very small risk of contracting COVID-19 for a huge guaranteed risk of either death or disability, Voskopoulos said. And I'm going to repeat that quote. They are trading a very small risk of of contracting COVID-19 for a huge guaranteed risk of either death or disability, Voskopoulos said. Wow, that's interesting. 
He described hospitals as highly controlled environments with superior cleaning systems that have been improved since COVID-19 pandemic began. And I have to stop here reading, folks. I call bullshit on this. I won't say the name of the hospital. I'll tell you it is the only level one trauma center in the Pacific Northwest. Figure that shit out for yourself. But I worked for a hospital here in Seattle for about a year. And all I can tell you is that it was one of the nastiest, dirtiest, grimiest places I'd ever been. And this wasn't ancient history. This was about 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, they were well aware of something called hospital-acquired infection. Did you know that hundreds of thousands of people die every year from hospital-acquired infection? Did you know that? It's one of the leading, leading causes of death in a hospital uh, due to incompetence. And that's the key part. Due to incompetence. Grandma Fuzzy Puss goes in for some procedure. And then Nurse Grisilda doesn't check the infectious disease report. And she doesn't realize the post-op room had a kid in there with a fungal infection. Oh, poor Grandma Griselda. She just got a minor procedure. The surgery went well. She was dead three days later. That's what happens when you don't check the infectious disease report. Because that's the thing, folks. The reason why you have one of those is so you don't stick people out of surgery. Anybody who goes through surgery, by definition, has a compromised immune system. The infectious disease report is so you don't put that person into a room where other people had a hospital-inquired infection, like MRSA, okay? Like a fungal infection. I can keep going. There are so many nasty critters living in hospitals now. The, the modern hospital, it's, it's the opposite of, the, of what this fuck says, okay? The, the, the current hospital, as, as they're currently built, are like the perfect breeding grounds for the most dangerous microorganisms that have ever fucking lived. Listen to what I'm saying. Hospitals are almost designed to create the most dangerous microorganisms you can imagine. What do you got in a hospital? Well, you got lots of sick people. Well, that's interesting. You also have really, in most cases, really bad ventilation. Um, yeah, you don't have access to much sunlight. That's kind of stupid. Yeah. Really bad ventilation, no sunlight, lots of people crammed together. Oh, yeah, lots of drugs being prescribed that fuck with people's immune systems, lots of radiation, lots of poisons. The net effect of this is you produce generation after generation of bacteria, viruses, fungal infections, single-celled organism infections, like, I don't know, amoebic dysentery. You produce so many fucking terrible things, God knows what's, what's in there. I remember walking through the stairwell of this quote-unquote level one trauma center, and it seemed like there was a layer of mucus on the walls, okay? That's how clean that hospital was. But hey, it's just Seattle. And as one of my siblings who loves to talk about how amazing Seattle is, it's just a super city with lots of smart people. Well, that was a quote from before 2010. So, yeah, let's all just keep this in perspective, folks. And I read on. 
And I'll read this again. He described hospitals as highly controlled environments with superior cleaning systems that have been improved since COVID-19 pandemic began. That's good. Uh, with all the dancing and TikTok videos, wow, they've been doing that too. That's so nice of them. Doing the videos and making sure the hospitals aren't nasty, grimy, greasy, greasy places, breeding bacteria, fungal infections, and God knows what. Unexplained declines, I read on. Visits, visits by adults to the emergency department at the University Medical Center were down by more than 50% three weeks ago, but have since increased to about two-thirds of typical volume, said Dr. Thomas Zinnickwicks, an emergency medicine physician at UMC. Wow, these names are great. Some of the decline could be attributable to de decreases in car accidents since there are fewer drivers on the road. Well, that kind of makes sense. You, good job using your brain there. Along with other side effects of social distancing. Then too, those with relatively minor aches and pains may be avoiding hospitals for fear of COVID-19, he said. Less neatly explained are declines and not simply delays in visits by patients with conditions that quickly can prove to be fatal. Zinowicz, a vice president with the U.S. Acute Care Solutions, wow, major healthcare conglomerate there, said visits that result in a diagnosis of a heart attack have been down 41% and of stroke by 36% across the network of more than 200 hospitals served by the physicians group, including UMC. Patients might delay going to the hospital on Christmas, but typically will flood the ER the next day, Zinowicz said. Now we're just having slow days, he said, adding that the hospital has passed its peak for patients needing to be hospitalized for COVID-19. And let's just translate that. Whatever the fuck this pandemic is, this plandemic is, it is not random and is probably not the result of some bat scratch fever. And I don't know, I live in Little Saigon, Seattle. I'm stopping reading here again, but... Come on, guys. I live in Chinatown, essentially. Seattle is an Asia tech hub. Flights are still coming in every fucking day. I'm on a flight path. I wouldn't even need to check the web app. I see them flying in. I live in transient housing. We share kitchens here. Okay, there's no elevator, which means you're going to be huffing and puffing all the way up the five flights of stairs. I live on a fifth floor. I'm 50 years old, and I am not in that great a shape physically. Okay, so when you put all the fucking variables together and I'm a half a mile from every hospital in Seattle, it seems like, oh yeah, and there's lots of documented and undocumented Chinese in my community, FYI. It seems like this should be a hot zone, but it's not. It's just weird. It's just random. Let's read on. Despite suggestions that fear of the new coronavirus may be keeping people away from the ER, there's no evidence suggesting that more people are dying in their homes, Clark County Coroner John Fudenberg said on Friday, the data isn't showing any unusual trends at this time. Well, it usually takes a few weeks, buddy, to smell the bodies. For his part, Zinowicz describes the decrease in true medical emergencies as a mysterious side effect of the pandemic. Well, I will say this, whatever the fuck this COVID is, it is fucking mysterious. It doesn't behave like any fucking bioweapon I've ever heard of. And it does not behave according to epidemiological patterns. Listen to what I'm saying right now, folks. I don't want to talk about that one fucking retirement home on Mercer Island or wherever, which interestingly enough is not far from the, the hometown locus of fucking Bill Gates. Where I live, 
right now should be worse than Lombardy, Italy. Where I live, right, use your fucking logic. Where I live right now should be worse than New York City, but it's not. In fact, it looks like there's nothing going on except for essential workers playing grab ass. And if you don't believe me, check out my YouTube channel. I got lots of fucking videos. Okay? Come here, visit me. I'll take in a walking tour. We can go up and down 12th Avenue. I can show you all the essential workers playing grab ass. I was out for a walk today. I saw lots of essential workers having lunch, no masks, no gloves, no six foot distance, just hanging out, playing fucking grab ass. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. It's one that no one has given a viable explanation for, nor can I, he said, and that's it. That's the end of the fucking story, and let's just, let's just unpack that a bit before we move on to the next topic. Okay, so here's the deal. If I sound angry, if I sound frustrated, it's not because I'm a ghoul. I don't want people to die. I don't want people to get sick. But what's as bad as the quote-unquote plague or pandemic is the possibility that this is a giant exercise in gaslighting and manipulation to cover up the biggest robbery in human history. And that's a nice way of putting it. There could be darker agendas in play. I know that there are, there's more than one day where I ask myself, this fucking chip that Bill Gates wants us to, to all have this certificate. <laughs> Interesting note, two years ago I worked on a contract at Microsoft, believe me, you don't want a certificate in a chip inside of you from Microsoft. Um, buggy as fuck. The, the company produces shit. It's a crony company. It was founded by a crony fuck, Bill Gates. And it mostly just buys stuff that other people produce correctly and makes money off of it. That's mostly what Microsoft does. It's a shitty fucking company. And, and I got to say, the only reason why I ever work for that shitty place is there's only about four or five places in this fucking town where a 50-year-old computer programmer can get a fucking job. So yeah, six months out of the year, I hold my fucking nose and I go to work to, for fucks like that. But yeah, I was working there and oh my God, we had nothing but one problem after another with certificates. And these were the simple ones. These were the certificates that verified software. This isn't a fucking certificate that goes in a fucking chip that goes in your fucking body or whatever fucking stamp Bill Gates wants to give us. And if you're wondering if I'm going to take the mark of Bill Gates, no, I'm not. I don't intend to. If that means I don't ever get to work for Microsoft again, Lord in heaven, for all my sins, thank you for showing great grace. Great case. Sh thank you for showing great grace, okay? Thank you for showing me so much kindness. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. If you can block me from ever working in Redmond again, thank fucking God. If I starve to death, fuck I don't care. That place is crazy. That place is disgusting. Oh, Dan, you won't get a job at Google or Amazon. Oh, fuck. You won't be able to work for Alaskan Airways again. I don't think that's an issue after the Derek Chan event of September 2018. Not an issue. So yeah, I'm frustrated because if I look at all the features of where I live logically, it seems like if this virus is real, 
I should be seeing lots of horrible shit. I remember back in January when I, where I was kind of like open to the possibility that this wasn't a colossal mindfuck, especially once I got the cold. I thought, fuck, maybe this is real. So I thought, what happens in a week or so if I start hearing people in pain? Because again, I live in transient housing. I live amongst a lot of undocumented Chinese people, okay? I'm not racist, but this is a fact. If you don't believe me, come to the Seattle Indian Center Food Bank Tuesday or Thursday between 1 and 3 p.m. If you don't fucking believe me. Yet, from what I can tell, it's just one long snow day. Yeah, things are slower because it looks like most of Seattle's on vacation. They're getting that Mnuchin money. They're getting that unemployment money. Wow, that's good money. And yeah, I got my Mnuchin check and a sibling of mine convinced me to file for unemployment. I don't know why, because I don't think I should qualify for it, even if it was a thing that we should do. So I went ahead and did that, so maybe I'll get some magical money. But it's all bullshit money, folks. It's all money that's a will-o'-wisp. It goes nowhere but to hell. The whole thing. I, I was joking on Twitter today that a year from now, assuming a year from now is a, is a place that's real, and we're not just living in a radioactive wasteland. I was joking on Twitter that a year from now, um, the balance sheet for the Federal Reserve could be about $100 trillion. And people think that's crazy. But if you think about what they're doing right now, they're not just bailing out corporations. They're bailing out cities. They're going to bail out probably states. And if Zoltan Pozar gets his way, and you can research who that is, they might bail out every other central bank on planet Earth. That's how much money they might print. And so, yeah, $100 trillion seems crazy until you recognize the possibility that they're probably going to go ahead and print that money for everybody. Everyone. All around the world. And I don't mean ordinary little people. I mean the cronies. I mean the banks, okay? So when I, when I say everyone, I don't include me. I, yeah, we'll get a few shekels. They'll toss a few coins out the back of the truck as they go down the road laughing at us. But the people getting the money are the banks, um, major investment firms, major crony industrial sectors like shale oil, like healthcare. You know healthcare is going to get bailed out, folks. It's going to get bailed out. It is. In some ways, this whole thing is already a bailout for it. Oh, and yeah, the automotive industry. We can't forget them. They're going to get some major crony help. So $100 trillion on the balance sheet for the Fed sounds crazy today. You know what? You want to hear something even fucking crazier? That estimate might be too low. If you understand that government debt worldwide currently, um, and, and this is just the above water debt, the debt they talk about, is probably somewhere around, let's just keep it conservative, two to three hundred trillion dollars. Unfunded liabilities is probably another two to three hundred trillion. On top of that, you've got derivatives, credit default swaps, and other black pools. I've heard estimates between one quadrillion on the low side and four quadrillion, that's 4,000 trillion on the high side. So a hundred trillion seems like a lot right now, but it actually isn't, it really isn't. If you consider how much toxic junk is out there 
in terms of counterparty risk, in terms of debt, in terms of obligations, in terms of insurance contracts, if you consider how many people are currently standing on the in the water because you know basically on the beach because the tide went out and they don't have any of their swimming trunks on if you understand how many of those crony money motherfuckers are in trouble then a hundred trillion is not that hard to imagine it, it adds up pretty fast so anyways I read this article because I wanted to emphasize something whatever this virus is it's not nearly as bad, assuming it is a thing, guys, and I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, based upon empirical reality, based upon experience, based upon leaving your fucking home and going outside and walking down the fucking street, because this lockdown, if I may veer off the road a little bit here again, this lockdown is bullshit. And if you haven't checked out the project site that Jim... Davidson and I are working on igloo.luau.com. That's, you know, spelled igloo, like, you know, the Eskimo home made out of ice, India, Gulf, Lima, Oscar, Oscar, igloo, luau, that Hawaiian, par that Hawaiian party, that Hawaiian, excuse me, <coughs> I, got, I, I got cotton in my mouth, <coughs> that Hawaiian-style party that involves burying a pig and barbecuing it igloo.luau.com. Check it out because we're trying to get people to leave their fucking homes and actually participate in reality again and to escape snow day. But if you use your own eyes, if you use your own ears, if you see what's going on, you must notice that this is not as bad as what they're saying. And if you've studied any fucking history at all, you have to be willing to concede that this is not nearly as bad as the plagues that the Founding Fathers and their generation faced more than 200 years ago. So if they thought, like, to themselves, well, shit, smallpox is a thing, <laughs> those infected blankets we gave the Native Americans tells us that. And cholera fuck. And the Black Plague. All these things were terrible, terrible pandemics and plagues way before this country was formed. If our founding fathers believed that we should suspend freedom because there's a virus or a bacteria, they didn't know these things were virus and bacteria. They just knew they were horrible. They didn't even have good treatments. If they thought that all liberty should be suspended in the case of some terrible plague, don't you fucking think they would have put it in the fucking Constitution? Don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the Bill of Rights, everyone. You have the Bill of Rights, sure. Up until the point, you know, we get the smallpox again. That's right, you know. Bill of Rights is a real thing. Real thing, up until the point, you know, the smallpox or the cholera or some other fucking plague shows up. And then there's no more freedom. Fuck everybody. And listen, I'm sure that 200 years ago, if they did a quarantine, they were pretty severe about it. But after the quarantine was over, do you think they said to themselves, well, shit, now that we've gone through this terrible plague, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have any freedom? 
So if you're a conservative Republican and you support this fucking snow day bullshit, you are deeply confused. You are so fucking confused. I don't. I can't even help you. I'm. I'm in a spaceship, traveling at the speed of light. I am three thousand light years away from you. I cannot help you. You are dying in space. I can't help you. There is no way I can help you. I cannot explain to you why you're wrong because, simply put, your paradigm is broken. I can't. There's nothing I can do. Any argument I make will not hit you. It will not penetrate the stubbornness of your belief system. But if you're a conservative Republican right now and you're saying, I'm really glad they got these shutdowns. Why? Because you're scared? Because you're a coward? Because you're putting other people's lives at risk because you're afraid? I don't know how many people are going to kill themselves because of snow day. I'm pretty certain the lockdown is going to cause a lot of people to commit suicide. But here's what I'm certain of. Probably 10 times more people will die from suicide this year than ever die from the fucking COVID if an honest accounting were done. Now, Dr. Burks says, and Dr. Burks is part of the, the Trump, you know, COVID task force. Dr. Burks says, everything's COVID this year. Everything is Corona. Everything is the crown. Everything is the king of the world. You know, when I was an atheist, I would shake my head at the idea that we would one day face a time like this. As a Christian, I shake my head that more people can't see through this fucking bullshit. This isn't about healthcare. This isn't about viruses. This isn't about epidemics or keeping people safe. On one level, if your eyes are open, this is a robbery. And so what this is, is keeping people at home instead of in the streets Screaming bloody murder is what we should be doing. We should be in the streets. We should be going to our capitals. If you're in a state that's currently in a lockdown because of this bullshit, you should be going to your capital and exercising your right as a dignified human being and pulling those motherfucker legislators out of the fucking Senate halls and meeting halls and tossing them into the street and submitting them to ridicule. And that's the nicest thing to do. I'm not saying hurt them. Just put them in the back of a fucking truck or something and let people throw rotten food at them. I know other people would like to do more. Right now, I'm not there yet. Because I don't think... I don't know how to put this. I don't, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm at the point now where... Let me give you an example. A hypothetical, because I thought about it today. Let's say some, let's say some cops came up to my fifth floor, and started harassing a neighbor, and said, "Oh, you gotta get tested. You've gotta get tested for the COVID." And my neighbor says, "I don't want to do that." And so they start trying to arrest that person. And because we have thin walls, I'd hear all this. I mean, I would hear it down the hallway, definitely. I thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the advice from Solzhenitsyn. If my neighbor is being attacked by essentially thugs of the police state under some sort of bullshit medical martial law justification, I'm going to give those thugs a bad day. I'm going to listen to what Solzhenitsyn said. And what did Solzhenitsyn say in the Gulag Archipelago about being in the prison camp? And I paraphrase. 
We spent days there. We spent our time there. We were in pain over the simple fact that if we had simply stood up to them, if we had simply grabbed our axe handles, grabbed whatever hammers and and weapons we had and simply went after those secret police, it would have ended there. The terror would have ended there. But instead, we allowed our neighbors to be taken away. And that's a paraphrase. But that's essentially what he said. Anyways, next last topic. Already broken my rule about time. Already broke my rule. We're almost at 50 minutes. Fuck. You know what? I think I'm going to close it out here because the next one I'm going to put into a different podcast. That's what I'm going to do, people. I got a little angry there. Got a little angry. Went off on the edge. This next subject will be the basis of the next podcast, and who knows? Um, I, I hope you guys are safe. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I stick to what I said months ago, way before the virus, quote-unquote, hit. Take care of food, water, shelter. Think about those things. Oh, Dan, we live in a... Pu- no, you don't. You, we live in a push-button? No, you don't. You want to say you live in a push-button world where you just pick up the phone and get it. Eh, that was a year ago. Yeah, still today, they'll deliver shit. But if you're thinking that way today, you're going to be dead six months from now. If you have the resources to stock up on at least six months of food, you need to do this right now if you haven't done it already. That next check you get, that next magical check, if there's a bag of rice, a can of Spam, whatever you can find, you need to buy it. And the toilet paper thing, I know I understand why you all fell for it. I forgive you for being that fucking stupid. But it is not about toilet paper. You don't need toilet paper if you don't have food. And you can't eat the toilet paper. So use a little fucking common sense. I'm a little angry here because I want you to hear my words. You need to have at least six months of food for your family. At least. And that might be too little. But you need to have at least six months of food. You need to know how to purify water. And if you don't know how, AJ and I did a great podcast on this a while back. I'll leave it up to your abilities to find it in the listing, right? You need to focus on these things, people. You may think this virus is what's going to kill you. Well, I don't know what this virus is. I really don't. I don't. I don't have any good evidence. All I can tell you is little Saigon is currently not in a plague state. This is not a death zone due to the virus. That's all I can tell you. If you're going to, well, Dan, I had an uncle's brother's sister's wife who was an, I I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I went by Harborview last week. It did not look busy. Okay? Harborview is the level one trauma center for the Pacific Northwest. It did not look busy. So if this is a thing, it clearly isn't attacking Seattle which is weird. We get virtually no sunlight. Yeah, sunlight does kill the the little bugs. We don't get a lot of sunlight here. We don't, especially with geoengineering. So, um, yeah, food, water, shelter. Focus on the basics. And beyond that, you need to understand your community. You need to know your fucking neighbors. I know I've had other podcasts where I've said this. Guess what? I'm repeating myself. 
If you don't know your neighbors, you need to learn who they are today. You need to knock on their fucking door. I know, Dan, what about the COVID? <sighs> Man. If I'm right, within a few months, there won't be a lot of food to buy. And if I'm right, within six months, there probably won't be any food to buy. And if there is food available, it's going to be handed out by the government. And they're not going to give it to you for free. Now, if you're willing to trust whatever the government tells you, fine. You'll go get your box of food, and you'll have your fucking magical Bill Gates certificate, and everything will be fine. I, I frankly think you're condemning yourself, and if you're a parent, you're condemning your family to oblivion, to hell, to destruction, but that's your fucking free will choice. If you want to trust Bill Gates and his magical fucking bullshit, you feel free to. But in a few months, probably the only way you're going to get any food is that way or the black market. And if you don't understand how black markets work, and if you're afraid of them, you need to get over your fear, people. I'm sorry if I sound a little bit off today, too. I am a little bit off. I'm still trying to struggle with my own purpose because my odds of survival are not that great for simple matters of geography and everything else, age, location. I have no real friends anywhere nearby. I am 100% isolated. Now, where I currently live is not so bad because even though it's, you know, basically transient housing, I have a pretty good room, a pretty good cube in the cubicle housing. It's fifth floor, it's got a good view. I have no neighbors because my neighbors are the hallway, the stairway, and the outside. So I'm the corner of the building, right? But if you have kids, if you have people you love, and if you, if you can do what you can to take care of them, you need to do this. You need to think about it. You need to have at least six months of food on hand. I'm going to say that one more time. You need to have at least six months of food on hand. Or you will end up doing whatever they tell you to do. Or you'll die. Or, or whatever's worse, if there's worse. There's all kinds of terrible things that happen during a famine. Well, Dan, I don't see how a famine could happen. <laughs> well, let's just get through this again. Almost every major famine in history is caused by people. So famines usually happen because of stupidity. And if the government is having farmers basically dump their crops right now, what do you think happens next? I mean, we, we, <laughs> here's the propaganda, right? Want to give you some fucking propaganda so you can put your inconsistency matrix in line? For years, people would say America is the breadbasket of the world. Well, let's assume we weren't being lied to for years. If the bread basket is empty, what happens to the world? I'm asking you because some of you motherfuckers will parrot this shit to me. You'll say, damn, America's the... Yeah, okay. Keep that fact in your head. I'm telling you right now, crops are going bad in the fields. I'm telling you right now that the bread basket is emptying out. So if, what, if your bullshit is true, if your crap is true, what the fuck do you think that means for the rest of the world? Even if by some lucky 
event, America does okay in the famine, the rest of the world's not going to be doing so okay. It already isn't. It already was doing badly before the fucking virus hit. What the fuck do you think happens now? And yeah, some of those countries that are going to be starving, hmm, they have nuclear weapons. Yeah. Anyways, this is the end of the podcast, this one, but um, if you have any money left over after taking care of your food, water, and shelter, and I mean it, if you've taken care of your food, your water, your shelter, if you've taken care of the people you love, if you've helped out the people you love, if you've done everything with your resources you need to do, and you still have some money left, there'll be links to Venmo and PayPal in the description of this podcast. If you want to donate, you can. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll take donations. Any amount, including zero. If you have no money, if you need that money, keep it and keep listening, okay? You don't have to to not listen if you can't donate, okay? It's free to listen, and, and it's definitely great to donate, but you don't have to. But if you've taken care of all that stuff, and you enjoy my podcast, and you have a few bucks left over, feel free to donate. It's up to you. And on that shitty note, you guys have a great rest of your fucking day.